When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside Highmark Stadium, where the Buffalo Bills just wrapped up a 14-9 on-the-edge-of-your-seats victory over the New York Giants. I think um, nobody in Bills Mafia was expecting that kind of game, and if, if they were, then they were in the minority, and this ended up being a, a bit of a head-scratcher of a game. He's Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Top Friendly Markets. Are you ready for Slider Sunday? The Bills kind of look like they weren't today, but every time you visit slidersunday.com, you have a chance to win free products, brand swag, tailgating gear, trips, and more. One chance per day, no purchase necessary. Ryan, what in the world was going on inside the stadium today? Yeah, I wish I knew, Matt. I mean, you and I both had the Bills putting up 41 points, and uh, through three quarters, they were scoreless. So it was a big surprise. There's a lot to kind of get into uh, in terms of what's going wrong with this offense. But first, we'll probably open up with some injury updates. Yeah, so let's get started with Damian Harris because, man, was that just a scary scene that was playing out on the field? I mean, seeing the a- ambulance come back out onto the field, what are we now, 10 months removed from the DeMar Hamlin situation in Cincinnati? You know, Deion Dawkins alluded to the fact that it felt a lot like PTSD out there, like going through what that was like, you know, almost a year ago. And then to watch, you know, Damian Harris, who suffered a neck injury. It was a super scary hit um, where I think it was Okarike who came up into the hole and they kind of just collided and it, and it didn't look like he was moving for a while. Thankfully, uh, the Bills have reported that he has uh, full movement of his arms and his legs. He gave the thumbs up. Uh, Sean McDermott said after the game that it's still progressing in a good direction, uh, which is good. Um, but, you know, you just think about the players, the human side of things. And Dion said that you know, so much we, we go through all these weeks and all these games and you forget that these players are human. And Dion said he was watching a couple days ago when Damien had a gender reveal for his new child, found out it's going to be a baby boy. And the thing that he's thinking about, Dion, is pacing up back and forth down the 20 yard line is like, is he going to be able to hold his son? I mean, those are real life things that flash through your mind. And thankfully right now, as we sit here and talk, things are trending in a good direction for Damian Harris. Very scary situation though. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, football is a game. And when these injuries take place, you have to think about the human beings first and foremost. So very scary down from, you know, many minutes, uh, the, the live game telecast went to commercial more than once, like you said, kind of that PTSD from uh, what happened with DeMar Hamlin, multiple TV breaks, multiple commercials, things like that. 
Uh, but to give the thumbs up, to hear post game that things are trending in the right direction, uh, that's obviously a great sign. So our thoughts are obviously with Damian Harris and his loved ones. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, interesting enough, he ends up going into the x-ray room after the game and you know, you start thinking about, okay, what's going on here? Because he left for a moment to get checked for a head injury, comes right back into the game, comes flying back into the game. I mean, he didn't probably want to miss the two plays that he missed. And so you kind of, you know, file that away and move on. And then you see him go into the x-ray room and they, they were looking at his shoulder. Uh, all uh, scans came back uh, negative or, you know, uh, positive, whichever way you want to look at it. Like no uh, early signs or there's no significant damage or anything like that. But now this is something you got to start keeping an eye on. Remember last year with the with the elbow, we went half the season with like him remaining on the, the, the injury report, the elbow being a constant um, storyline. So that, you know, the offense didn't play uh, particularly well, specifically in the first half, uh, got things going again in the second half. But we have a bit of a trend here over two weeks that we have to get into. But first and foremost, it seems like the Bills dodged a bullet with Josh Allen uh, in this shoulder injury. And you wonder where it even occurred. Cause at one point he got into the middle of a skirmish that was going on between a couple of players, some, some not unnecessary roughness penalties thrown out. Josh Allen's in there at the end of the play, throwing his weight into one of the giants defensive players. So um, bullet dodge for now, we'll, we'll track and see how this thing goes. Yeah. It, it looked like in the post game interview, he had something, maybe it, maybe it was just an ice pack, something on, on that shoulder, uh, but as he said, he went and got some in- imaging done. All things looked okay. Sean McDermott kind of alluded to that as well. But, uh, you know, Josh Allen said it kind of happened the play before he had to go into the blue tent. He landed hard on his shoulder. Uh, so that skirmish actually happened after that. So the fact that he's going in, not only going in and going uh, after these Giants defensive linemen, he actually led with his right shoulder and kind of, uh, bump to players so it, it's a good thing that these images came back you know so far so good at least uh because that would have been a major disaster had he done some damage in that skirmish itself uh, obviously this team is going to go as far as josh allen can take them uh so for him to avoid an injury which you know it, it may be trending in that direction is a uh huge sigh of relief if you're a bills fan so let's get into this offense because I think that's where Bills fans probably want to start. Uh, and we're going to talk plenty about the defense as well. Uh, but the Bills had the ball, let's see here, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times in this game. Um, and it, they went punt, fumble, punt, punt, miss field goal, interception, touchdown, touchdown, miss field goal. And, you know, you look at it's a tale of two halves, really. And, you look at the final numbers though, and it's 297 total yards against a defense that was giving up the third most yards per game going into this game. They were giving up the second most point or third most points per game. Also, you only finish with 14 points. This was not the performance that I think anybody was expecting. You know, I think a lot of the talk was about, you know, this being a get right game. And at times like, you know, going in, I thought the bills had to get their run game going. And at times the run game looked healthier in this game. James Cook finishes with a pretty healthy 5.1 yards per carry, but at no point did it feel like there was continuity or rhythm. And that was the the, the buzzword that Sean McDermott even used at his post-game press conference throughout the game. Everything felt hard for this offense. And Stefan Diggs was the primary target. He was targeted 16 times 
in this game, 13 targets spread out for the rest of the team. What's from your vantage point, Ryan, what's going on with the, 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 the shift, the hard shift to Diggs being just featured in a different way than it's felt like it's ever been for this offense. It feels like he's the only one that's getting open, Matt. I mean, it seems as simple as that. And, uh, Josh Allen even alluded to it after the game. You know, he was asked, why is he getting such a big target share? And it's like, well, it's about who's getting open. And, uh, Stefan Diggs is getting open. He's, he's good at, you know, getting off the line, creating that separation, uh, makes it easier for Josh Allen to connect with him. And for whatever reason, you know, Gabe Davis is struggling to get open. There were a few times where maybe Dawson Knox was open. There was one on Josh Allen's interception where, he definitely had Knox open in the middle of the field, and Knox is struggling to consistently get open there. They're still trying to figure out personnel, it feels like, with Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield and um, Khalil Shakir. He had James Cook at one point, you and I noticed, wide open in the middle of the field. So some of it was just Josh Allen not seeing the guys flashing open. But more times than not, I, I think it's just consistently Stefan Diggs is the only one that's able to get open on a regular basis despite – uh, opposing teams really zeroing in on him and trying to stop him. He is their only player that's really kind of uh, getting open, flashing. Uh, th- there's a lot of problems with this offense right now. They, they had chunk plays every now and then throughout this night, even in the first half, but then they just they stalled out. Whether it was drops, whether it was turnovers, whether it was, uh, you, you know, whatever it was. And you can point some of the blame at Ken Dorsey, absolutely. We, we talked a lot about how – they haven't been as effective out of the shotgun compared to when Josh Allen's under center. We saw that again tonight. Uh, we just saw a lot of inconsistencies with this team. Even Tyler Bass and, and you know had an off night for for Buffalo. So there's a lot of ways you can look at this performance. But at the end of the day, uh, it seems like Stefan Diggs is kind of that one man show in the passing game because he's the only one that's flashing and getting open. To the point about like him looking at Stefan Diggs almost like specifically and like in totality over the course of the game, it's, it feels odd. It feels like a, like a different approach than what I feel like Ken Dorsey has been preaching over the past couple of weeks. Like they're never going to be in a spot where they like force feed one guy. Cause it's not healthy for their offense, but it feels like that's what they're doing. And Marcus in the, in the YouTube chat, he says he had it. James cook open on a broken play that would have resulted in a touchdown. And I 100% agree with this. I, I quote tweeted your in-game reaction to it. And I had a perfect view of it. I don't know if Josh Allen didn't see it, but it was clear as day. Cook was breaking wide open, you know, getting away from his man. And there was nobody from the 20 yard line, all the way to the goal line. And he just missed it. I think it ended up being an incompletion. He threw it kind of out of the end zone or wherever he threw it. I can't remember. But those are the kind of plays I feel like they're missing. You know, penalties on a couple of plays. There was one series where Connor McGovern had a holding penalty and then Spencer Brown with a a false start on the next play. Like there were so many moments in this game where they're shooting themselves in the foot. And if it's not penalties, it's turnovers. You know, Josh Allen, you know, you're going to get a ball picked, batted, picked off. That's going to happen in games, gains in games, Gabe Davis fumbling on the sideline stuff that you just can't have when you're trying to find consistency and rhythm in your offense, those kinds of things you've got to remove. And the, and the bills couldn't remove it until the second half. Now I will say, well, I'll, I'll let you go off of that, and then I'll, I'll move to the next point. 
Yeah, and it's little things. Gabe Davis has to know to have the ball in his other arm when he after he catches that ball. Uh, he had it out there for the other team to kind of go after, and sure enough, they made a great play on it, uh, recovered it along the sidelines. Josh Allen, uh, tip passes happen, batted passes happen. It was just kind of a low throw intended for Dawson Knox, who was open in the middle of the field, and uh, kudos to the Giants for making a play on it after batting the pass up in the air, but uh, things like that happen in, in the NFL. So, you know, you, you don't want to just, like, uh, excuse it, but the, the Bills need to be smarter with the football nonetheless, especially when it comes to the, the fumbling in the issue uh, or in the matter of Gabe Davis. The one about to Knox was actually a bad throw, but it was also, again, Josh hesitating when Dawson Knox kind of broke open. If he lets go of that ball at the right time, that is a huge gain, and I feel like sometimes – with Knox, it's funny because, like, I think what was so great about Allen and Beasley's connection back in the day was just this, like, they almost were in each other's brain when they were, like, operating, like, Beasley in his routes and then Josh Allen watching Beasley work. And I feel like, despite the closeness off the field, Knox and Allen have never found that continuity, that, 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 knowing what each other is going to do before you do it. Every single time it feels like Dawson Knox is involved in a play. There's just some kind of herky jerky part to the play. It never feels like um, bang, bang, like it does. And so many other occasions with so many other players. And there's been fits and starts for Dawson Knox over the course of his career. But, you know, you mentioned the drops, you mentioned just like the lack of big plays. And to me, there's been enough like, in between big plays over the course of his career that there's no reason why there shouldn't be more. Yeah, no, I, I mean, that's just it. You, you look for that chemistry. They've been in the same system together for so long and, and it's just not there. They had, they've had some, you know, good moments, especially in the red zone throughout Knox's career. Uh, but this year, especially it just isn't working. It's not clicking for whatever reason. Uh, in addition to the bad pass that was intercepted, you know, the Bills could have sealed the game on a, a pass from Allen to Knox, and it wasn't the greatest throw from Allen. He was pump faking the defenders, waiting for Knox to create a little bit more separation, but it still hit Knox on the hands as Knox is going down to the ground. It, it's something you expect from a tight end that you're paying big money to to kind of come up, haul in that pass, catch the ball, and then you don't have that nail biter at the end of the game. Uh, then the Bills can kind of take the knees and, and call it good and – uh, you know, I still think there'd be a lot of angst amongst the fan base because it was still a close game, a close matchup, but it, it wouldn't have gone down to a one play from the one yard line where, uh, you, you really had no idea how that outcome was going to go. Mm -hmm. I will say for the running game it was interesting. They went with Latavius Murray today as the starter. He was starting on the first, I think four drives of the game. And when Sean McDermott was asked about it after the game, he mentioned the fact that like James Cook is still a young player and they wanted like a more urgent approach. And the, and the way that James or that Latavius Murray ran today, you saw that in him. And that's part of his game. Like, I think one of the things that I think has hindered James Cook at times this season is his like inability to read the, the line as he's kind of diagnosing where the hole is. And then this kind of tendency to rely on his athleticism that 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 leads to him kind of gliding around the line of scrimmage. Whereas Murray is like balls in his in his waist and he is 
boom, downhill immediately. Wherever the hole is, he's going to try to find it. And if he's not going to find it, he's going to make one. That There's a benefit to that. And you saw it tonight. I thought that you know, despite Cook finishing with a better night and he had a couple of really good runs, there were some really important runs from Latavius Murray that I think that's what they were looking for and were now maybe starting to see a shift to, all right, Maybe Sean McDermott prefers Murray to cook at this stage. He mentioned that he he made the decision for him to start, and then he kind of left it to the coaches to ride the hot hand from there. Um, but, yeah, that, we'll see what happens with Damian Harris. But arrow up, if you will, for Latavius Murray. Yeah, arrow way up for Latavius Murray. The physicality was there. You saw it on some short yardage runs. Uh, when they really needed him to kind of move the chains, he was able to get the job done, and that's important for this team. But it's also important for me – uh, blocking perspective, I saw him pick up some uh, Giants defenders at times throughout the game. While James Cook has improved as a blocker, there's still some room for improvement there. Uh, but it all, I think it also helped James Cook a little bit. He came in and he, he looked like he was a little bit motivated to say, uh, okay, I'm going to make the most of my opportunities when they come my way. He ends up averaging 5.1 yards per carry in this win. Uh you know, flashing more of that ability that we saw early on in the year when he was in the top five in rushing yards. Coming off of a poor performance last week against Jacksonville, it was a nice bounce-back game for James Cook with 71 yards on the ground. So Dalton Kincaid, uh, he doesn't go today. He had the concussion before the game, which elevated the role of Quentin Morris, and he cashed in big time when the Bills needed him. And that was one of those throws, you know, so much – struggle for this Bills offense and the Bills passing game. I mean, most of the time you're not going to look at a box score no matter who the Bills play and see Josh Allen with less than 170 yards passing. But it was a struggle at times. And, you know, Tyra Taylor that comes in here uh, as the rogue quarterback filling in for Daniel Jones finishes with 200. And you could probably make the argument outplays him, although I will say that the two touchdowns from Josh Allen probably uh, tick him over to Rod Taylor, who just it felt like a, a typical Taylor game where he makes a couple of really nice plays. He manages the game pretty nicely, but doesn't make enough big plays in the end to put his team over the top. And, and Josh Allen made those big plays. Um, and one of them was the, the throw to Quentin Morris, which was an absolute dart. And I, I retweeted the screen, screen grab of the dots from, from NFL next gen stats that showed like the two defenders literally on top of 85 Quentin Morris making that catch. Uh, it was unbelievable throw, unbelievable catch. And Quentin Morris feeling a little bit banged up, Sean McDermott said today, and he was playing playing through an injury and, and toughed it out and made a huge play in the difference in the game. Yeah, it was one of those plays where whether you're watching it live or looking at the, the dots there, as you call it, uh, it looked like a throw Josh Allen shouldn't have made because the defenders were right there. They were closing in. They had good coverage. And yet, it's, it's the quote-unquote arm arrogance. It's Josh Allen being able to squeeze in passes in tight areas. And, you know, kudos to Quentin Morris for being able to haul in that contested catch uh, in traffic. We, You know, we, we've criticized Knox in the past in terms of his struggles in that regard. And some of these receivers in those contested areas, this was a, a big-time play and a big-time moment where the Bills needed it most. And, and Quentin Morris hauled it in, pulled it in. It's interesting, you know, at the end of the night, the two touchdowns were scored by Morris and Deontay Hardy, uh, two guys that you wouldn't expect to be your anytime touchdown scorers necessarily for this Bills team when there's so much talent and in depth in front of them. And yet it was some of the unsung heroes who stepped up tonight to help the Bills kind of eke out this victory. 
You know, something that Sean McDermott said after the game I thought was interesting and something worth, you know, spending some time on here. And, you know, he was asked about a couple of different offensive plays and he said he he can't comment on it because he, you know, there's times now as a defensive coordinator that his his head's in, you know, pictures, talking to guys on the sideline. And this is something that we talked about going into the season was going to be part of the mix. And I wonder what is your level of concern with Ken Dorsey holding the keys to the offense without any oversight? And listen, you can have any take on Sean McDermott that you want. And maybe you, as a fan, you don't want him to hit too much, like with his hands in the cookie jar too much uh, because of his, you know, maybe penchant to like lean on the run game a little bit too much at times. Although I will say Ken Dorsey needs to send the second and long shotgun running play to the moon. Like, I think everybody's seen enough of it. It doesn't work. You know, just throw it out of the, of the entire play. Like I'd rather you in that spot, throw a screenplay to the running back, than then do that because it's just, it's not working consistently week in and week out. But in terms of McDermott, like some game management issues, you know, uh, his decision to kick the field goal instead of punt late in the game, something that was, uh, a little bit questionable. I get the idea to kick the field goal and and, and understand that they're going to have to do a lot to then go down the field and score a touchdown. But I don't know, just some game management things that have popped up here. It makes you question when he talks about right after the game, you know, he isn't able to kind of watch the entire thing because of what he has to do with the defense. Yeah, there is a level of concern. There's little things too, Matt. I mean, after the, the second touchdown, realistically shouldn't they have gone for two they were up 13 to nine before the tyler bass extra point uh they go for two they're at least up six whereas the giants score a touchdown you know the odds of blocking an extra point this that or the other aren't necessarily in your favor uh but but you probably lean that route based on the uh, analytics and that's something that he kind of missed there uh not being able to see every play having to go back watch the tape it's a little concerning because he's mentioned that this offense needs to get into a rhythm early and uh, if his focus is so much on the defense, and rightfully so, he's the D coordinator, uh, he can't necessarily come in with some input for for Ken Dorsey when those moments arise and when they're getting off to those poor starts and, and kind of say, hey, listen, you know, uh, you guys need to figure out something else. Here. You need to get out of the shotgun on those long snaps. You need to let Josh Allen play under center more. And we definitely need to get more clarification on, on – you know, why it is that the Bills will have all this success under center at times, and then the next three, four plays, it's shotgun, and they're struggling. And I know it's not always that case. They've had some some big gainers out of the shotgun, too. Uh, but w- when things are moving well and when they're being efficient under center, I don't, you know, why not complete the drive that way? Why not continue to go with what's working? Uh, stick with the well, or, go, you know, stick with going to that well and it, there's a lot of uh, uncertainty in terms of what we've seen in the last two weeks with this Ken Dorsey offense. Um, we Bill Sands have been seeing it for weeks and weeks and weeks going all the way back to training camp. That's the shout insider text line. You can join it today. Get yourself a two week free tra- trial at 716-528-6727. And the shout text line, it's brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give Carrie a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. All right, there's another side of the coin. We're going to get into the defense here in a minute. But I do want to put some perspective on this game. And 
listen, it's not what anybody expected. We mentioned at the top, we're talking about a 41 point game. I saw some fan comments, but like in the fourth quarter, if the bills are beating them bad, does McDermott call off the dogs because they don't want to embarrass Brian Dable on national TV? Like all these kinds of conversations going into the game and then the game plays out the way that it does. And you have all of these overreactions and, and maybe not overreactions, maybe just reactions to, to what you saw. But we also are, you know, covering a league and everybody watching is fans of a team in a league where the two best teams in the league, five and oh, the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco 49ers got knocked off today by not great teams. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, they have a great defense, but there's no reason they should lose that game, the Niners. And then same thing with the Jets, with Zach Wilson at quarterback. How do you let them win that game? I just, I don't understand that, but that's what happens every week. There's, there's weird developments. I'll tell you right now, Geno Smith was one throw away from knocking off Cincinnati in Cincinnati. That's the way this, this league works. And while I think it's a, a minor cop-out, for Sean McDermott to say what he says and, and, and football people in general about a win is a win and all that kind of stuff. I do tend to agree with him, especially on a, on a day like today when all of these heavyweights are losing or on the ropes and have to eke out a win. The bills found a way to eke out a win. Yeah. And you need to go back earlier in the week with uh, the Broncos giving the chiefs an actual fight, giving them, a run for their money. And, you know, in the case of the Jets and, and the Browns, they have elite defenses and they kept those offenses in check. Uh, and while their offenses are not great, they did enough to kind of uh, eke out those wins. The The Bills are in a spot where this Giants team has talent on defense. Every team has talent. It, it just felt like they, they couldn't really uh, answer the bell tonight. And, and maybe it's Brian Dable knowing this offense so well and you know, working with Wink Martindale throughout the week and saying, you know, here's the wrinkles to do this. Here's how I would uh, try to slow down, you know, Stefan Diggs and try to slow down these other receivers that the Bills have. Um, so th there's something to be said for that. But this was a game where the offense did not show up, but the defense answered the bell despite being down multiple starters. All right, let's flip things over to the defensive side of the football because this is a performance that, listen, this is not a good Giants offense. Their their offensive line is absolutely banged up. And, you know, talking to A.J. Epinesa at his locker after the game, you know, he was happy with the win but thought disappointed to a degree. He thought that the Bills' defense could have done a little bit more, especially up front. And when you look at the final numbers, um, the Bills end up with just two sacks. Leonard Floyd and Vanessa each had one, uh, two, three, four, five quarterback hits, a bunch of tackles for a loss, and we'll we'll get into that in a minute. But I thought the defensive line could have had a little bit more success. Uh, I thought there was a couple of times where it looked like they had Terod Taylor, you know, dead to rights, and he is just a slippery dude. He's always been that way, going back to his time in Buffalo and before that um, in Baltimore, and. Uh, but but I think overall, coming into this game, if you told me that this defense playing Dorian Williams, uh, I think this is his first NFL start uh, at, at weak side linebacker. You have Jordan Phillips starting and then Puna Ford getting a, a, a much larger role than he's had all season. Kyrie Elam starting in place of Dane Jackson. And you hold this team to nine points. I think you take that most of the time. Yeah, it's a huge win for the defense. Huge win for McDermott in his play calling. Uh, you know, there was one or two drives where the Giants really did get on track running the ball, but I thought they were early on really shutting down Saquon Barkley and company. 
There was good push up front. We saw Terrell Bernard uh, lead the team in tackles for loss with uh, three total in this game. AJ Panessa providing that pass rush, had one sack, came very close to a second uh, where he just blew by the the original starting left tackle in that game. It was actually the play that the tackle uh, suffered the toe injury. So he, he showed up. Leonard Floyd is still a force there. Uh, the, the biggest issue for me, at least with this defensive front, is I, I think we both thought Ed Oliver was in line for a, a, a big night tonight, and, and he just wasn't. He just didn't do enough. He had a costly penalty early on in the game where he head-butted a, a Giants defender, and it wasn't necessarily the kind of push and impact that we thought we were going to see there. Linebacker position, I thought Dorian Williams played a much better game than he did last week where he kind of got pulled a little bit for his tackling. I thought he was all over the field showing off his athleticism. I already mentioned Bernard. And then on, on you know, the, the deep end or the back end of this defense, Kyrie Lim was beaten once for a, a big gainer in this game. But uh, I thought that he looked much improved. I don't think he was as, as big of a, I don't want to say liability, but I guess liability might be the, the best word in terms of what maybe fans were expecting. Uh, Taron Johnson having the big play when they needed it the most. And, uh, obviously, getting Christian Benford back was a big win for this team, too. Yeah. Um, so let's start on Elam because I thought it was interesting that McDermott said after the game that it's resiliency that he saw from Kyrie Elam. It, it, I'm sure, listen, like I mentioned at the top, these guys are human. I'm sure that, the, you know, um, I, I think it was Dion that even said that, like, it's easy for everybody to criticize on Twitter. Um, he says, you know, I, I think a lot of these guys see the stuff that people say, like fans, media, whatever you want to say. And uh, I think being in there and going through it, it's, it's got to be tough, especially for a guy like Elam, who always seemed like a proud guy. Um, had a couple moments tonight, although I, I do agree with our good buddy Carl Jones out in Rochester, who said that the one play that, that Elam really did get cooked on a little bit, that is a really tough one to defend, especially when you miss on your bump at the line of scrimmage. Uh, as much as he did to kind of recover in that spot with the throw that Taylor put down. I mean, it, it is what it is, but you know, I, I think he's going to need to build on games where there's not any big problems and there really wasn't today. And I, and McDermott even mentioned a, a play down the stretch where he made a big tackle, uh, which I think is obviously going to earn him a lot of uh, kudos in the locker room with uh, teammates, with, um, uh, and 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 spin in the YouTube comments said Benford got cooked as well. It's the same thing, it's the same kind of play down the left sideline where he gave up a, a a pretty big chunk reception as well. So they're young players; they're going to have to develop. Losing Tre'Davious White was always going to be something that hurt. Not having Dane Jackson available, you know, they're going you're going to have to take your lumps, and it's going to get more difficult as you play some of these better offenses as you get into the middle and the second half of your schedule. Uh, but with all things considered, I thought, you know, Taron Johnson stepped up today. He was an absolute menace as a tackler. He led the, t the Bills with 15 tackles, had the pass deflection in the, in the in the end zone to win the game. Now, I will say, if you go back and watch that replay, it looked like maybe a little uh, DPI, but, you know, it doesn't get called and they move in a different direction. I thought Terrell Bernard was really, really good today. You know, 12 tackles, three of those came for a loss. I thought he was really good in the, in the run game. It was actually... Dorian Williams, who on a couple of those big runs really got washed out and, and reminded me of uh, uh, Tremaine Edmonds a little bit. But again, it's very 
early. It's his first NFL start. He's a third-round draft pick. He's a rookie. There were some good things, to your point earlier, that we saw from Dorian Williams today, and I think this was by design. I think you put him out there in this game to have him maybe take some of his lumps against a lesser opponent so that he builds confidence for weeks to, to come. I can't speak for Tyrell Dotson, but I will say that he came. He went storming out of the locker room. He was the first one out before the media went in. Uh, another reporter tried to track him down, and he did not want to talk. Uh, so I don't know if that was him being frustrated about uh, maybe not playing in this game. I'm not sure. And I, again, I don't want to. We didn't talk to him, so I can't. I can't tell you what he said about it. But at the same time, I mean, it, it seems like Dorian Williams is given an opportunity, and, and and I think for the most part, he took advantage of it. Yeah, last thing on Kyrie Elam, you know, the, the big gainer down the sideline, he did have a defensive penalty uh, in the end zone. He had, you know, he had some some bad moments, but he also had some good tackles. He was also uh, had some nice plays for this team. But Dorian Williams, you know, the athleticism is there, the runway in terms of getting him those reps. We talked about it last uh, night at Wing Nuts and the importance of getting him on the field and letting him learn and grow. There's going to be some some bad with the good, and there's definitely some bad tonight, but the athleticism was on display, and uh, I like that for this team. You know, you want to make sure that you have those coverage-type linebackers, and I think that Dorian Williams is a better coverage-type linebacker than Tyrell Dodson is, but I, I understand Dodson's frustration. He played really well last week. Uh, against Jacksonville, he actually had a really nice play on special teams tonight, uh, but he just didn't get the the run on defense that he was probably expecting. So that that's going to happen when you're the veteran now of, of that room at that position where you think that maybe you've earned the right to kind of uh, give those opportunities. It's just not coming your way yet. But I, I also get Buffalo's line of thinking where the more reps that we can give Dorian Williams, the better it's going to be for our defense even when Matt Milano is able to come back, because then you have someone that, you know, you trust uh, waiting in the wings, someone that has a very uh, similar skill set and athleticism to Milano. And even if you wanted to run out uh, three linebacker looks at times when Milano's back, whether it's this year or 2024, having a guy like Williams and having a lot of snaps under his belt is only going to help this team. You know, I think Ken Dorsey, you know, flipping it back to the offense before we wrap this show up and we'll obviously come back with much more, uh, next week as we bring you coverage leading up to a big AFC East showdown in in Gillette uh, next Sunday. I think that he's tasked now with figuring out a way to find this rhythm that seems to have evaded this Bills offense that was present for three weeks straight. I mean, we're talking about a team three weeks ago that put up 48 on a Dolphins team yeah. Um, that, you know, the, their defense isn't very good. They, they looked absolutely lost against Carolina Panthers in the first half today, um, gave up 14 points in the first two drives, but it was easy for the bills offense and everything since has looked difficult. And, um, I don't know if it's a scheme thing, if it's a, a, a philosophy thing with the way that they're operating offensively. And again, we talked about the mistakes. We, we talked about all of that. Um, I thought at times the protection, was a little bit lacking. I thought that, you know, sometimes Josh, like when the pocket breaks down, when he's trying to be this pocket passer, the way that he has, I mean, he's, he's almost looking actively looking not to run most of the time, which right. I think is a good thing. Like I, I, I'm not against it, but at the same time that that protection has to hold up in the pocket. Otherwise he starts, you know, you know, short arming throws, overthrowing guys, like 
making things a little bit more difficult. And, you know, they really leaned into that Stefan Diggs um, situation today. And part of that is because that's the first read and maybe he was holding on to his first read. You got to go back and watch it. I'm not sure, but Ken Dorsey has to figure out a way to get this thing moving. And I don't know if that's putting them in a no huddle situation, trying that out of the gates. Even if you came out on your first couple of drives, ran no huddle and then kind of like went into a more balanced under center methodical approach. I don't know. I think that they have to change their approach because the last two games, what they've done hasn't worked. Yeah. Tempo is going to be the first thing I mentioned. And it doesn't mean just going no huddle out of the gate necessarily, but playing with a little bit more of a sense of urgency. We're not seeing that. We haven't seen that. Uh, the past two weeks, I know you just mentioned that Josh Allen not running the ball. You're not, you're not against that. I do feel like that's taken away something from this offense where defenses feared that. And I thought this was another game where there were opportunities for Josh Allen to take off and run on plays where he eluded tacklers in the backfield. And again, kudos to him because there were a lot of would-be sacks that he was able to kind of fight through, keep his balance, stay on his feet. But the old Josh Allen would have taken off and gotten good chunks of yardage. And it just feels like there's something holding him back from doing that uh, this year. And, and I'm not quite sure what that is because he's shown a willingness to slide and not take on those hits. Uh, and I think it's important for him to try to get those yards with his legs at times when it when the opportunity presents itself. Uh, because then defenses have to be more honest about, okay, this guy might actually take off and leave and, and hurt us with his feet. And, I, I you know, again, maybe they're saving those moments for games against the Chiefs and the Eagles and these big-time matchups later on on the road. But when you're playing these ugly type of games against a team like the Giants, I think that's a break glass in you know an emergency type of situation that they probably could have and should have gone to but didn't for whatever reason. Um, thank you so much for watching, making us part of your late night, 1.30 in the morning, East Coast time. Uh Buffalo Bills game day experience. Uh, and for every Buffalo Bills game day, you want to start your slider Sunday winning streak with Kings Hawaiian this football season and earn rewards to redeem for free product, brand swag, tailgating gear, and more. Visit slidersunday.com for details and visit the tops deli section. Look for the bright orange Kings Hawaiian display to scan the QR for a chance to instantly win tailgating prizes. And then visit topsmarkets.com slash slider Sunday for the best slider recipes. All right, Ryan, uh, that'll put a bow on this one. The Bills win 14 to nine in uh, nail biting fashion. We will be back with plenty of coverage next week. Uh, we'll go behind enemy lines. We'll preview the Patriots. I got a, I got a guy in mind that I think Bills fans will really enjoy that conversation. We'll have to talk a little bit about the, the maybe the, uh, the doom that's kind of, overheaping on New England's on New England nation and Bill Belichick. Uh, things are really bad uh, in Foxborough right now. We're going to get into that next week um, and obviously preview Bills versus Patriots. Uh, stick with us for all of it. He's Ryan. I'm Matt. We'll see you next time.